Hi everyone, this is Diva from Bloodhunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Kim, where can they find us? Well, you can visit our website at the Metal Pit, www.themetalpit.org. You can find album reviews, interviews, live show reviews, columns specific to genres, all kinds of things. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Metal Pit. And for video interviews, video shorts, audio versions of this podcast, uh, you can visit our YouTube channel, which is YouTube at themetalpit.666. Whew, that That's a lot. A lot. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of content of the metal pit. You can find us pretty much everywhere. So, whichever you choose, you'll find some good stuff. I'm sure of it. And why are we here today, Kim? Let's tell them. Look at our shirts. You could probably guess. We're going to talk about the best death metal album of all time. The best, the best of all time. I don't know. I just wanted to make it <laughs> exciting. It very well could be. We're going to find that out today. Um, I know it's an album we both love. I know it's an album that uh, a lot of people love. Um, and I also know it's an album that has the Deicide fan base kind of torn. There are a lot of people who love it, and there are a lot of people who don't love it. And we'll, yeah, uh, what's wrong with those people? I know. They're crazy. They're crazy. So, yeah, Deicide Once Upon the Cross was released on April 17th, 1996. A long damn time ago. Long time ago. Uh, on Roadrunner Records. Everyone remembers that label, right? All the uh, greatest death metal albums i think of all time were released in a short window period of time on that label and it was recorded and mixed at more sound recording in tampa florida by the legendary scott burns mastered at sterling sound new york by george marino who did a ton of mastering for all those classic albums in the early to mid 90s and it was actually co-produced by dsi kim why don't you uh start us off on how you remember this album like when it first dropped, when you first heard it, anything that comes to mind kind of personal with uh, Once Upon the Cross? I can't remember the exact first time I heard it because I just have a really bad memory. But um, I know I was 16. It was probably one of the first extreme death metal albums that I ever heard or even just death metal albums in general. Like I know that's kind of like a mashup of like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, side and mm -hmm. you know like maybe some old napalm or brutal truth or something like that all kind of in that year i loved it i really fell hard for the, this kind of music um i had a pet rat at the time and i named him benton nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so um yeah it was my introduction i think to uh extreme music and in death metal yeah that's that's cool benton did he live up to the name was he evil? Absolutely. Yeah. He was the best. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, kind of the same for me. I guess uh, I remember hearing this album. Actually, I remember waiting for it to drop. Uh, so it was back in those days when you would go to the record store, line up if it was a really popular album. I don't know if people were lining up for this album, but I remember going to the store, the record store HMV, um, and buying the album the uh, the day it came out and had uh, anticipating it for months. Took it to friend's place we put it on and we were immediately blown away 
uh, we could not stop listening to it. So, you know, it's I was just a, like, it's so evil. Like it was just like, like it was even for the times, like, you know, the music was extreme, but the lyrics were extreme and the theme was extreme. And it was just like, yeah, everything your parents hated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that intro, I think that's what first uh, got me. Yeah. Is, uh, get into that. Yeah. Yeah. What were your initial thoughts on the album? So you loved it. Were there yeah. any, uh, anything that stood out immediately? It was bad and I liked bad things, you know? Yeah. It was different and it was heavy and it was angry and I'd never heard anything like it in a weird way. It's like very comforting. It's just like a, you know, it is a comforting like a place to go, you know, yeah. like it takes you away from and it's everyday kind of life. Like, right? Yeah. It's like an adventure. It's like, it's like dangerous, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I it's think like philosophical take on it. <laughs> I think the comfort factor too, you nail it because for me, the first two albums, you know, they were a bit more raw, like the, the debut self-titled album was scary as fuck. And it had a really raw sound to it and which made it even more evil. And then Legion, the follow-up album a couple years later, just took things in a way more technical direction. Mm. And it wasn't, it was evil, but maybe not quite as evil because the music was, was a little, as I mentioned, a little more technical. So you, there was, you had to, you had to listen to it more to grasp it. But I think with once upon the cross, they took things back to the first album and kind of simplified things. And it has this really warm, full sound. Like when you listen to it on a really good set of headphones or in a car that has a really good sound system, it's just so deep and heavy. Like there's so much low end and uh, it, it's like, I don't know. I, I always like kind of akin to like, if you take a hot, butter knife and just stick it into like a in a really cold bar of butter it just goes smoothly right in this is what that album does to me it just smoothness into my being i don't know that doesn't make any and I sense feel like any any album that came after this one would not have had as much of a shock factor i think because because it was I mean, so up here in that the shock yeah album, like right? yeah yeah like for this album it was very shocking and like i know i know they had like the 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 first album but there was something different about this one one of those things being glenn's voice mm -hmm. uh which has a really interesting story to it i, I don't um because apparently he had to get like his tonsils were ro rotting out and he had to get uh surgery like immediately and it was really bad and i think the label i think he said the label paid for it so he got his tonsils out and two weeks later he was on the road for a tour and yeah, for Legion, I think they were on tour. For yeah, Legion. and he was doing his thing, even though he was healing, and it completely fucked his voice up in in like the best way ever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can you hear can it on tell this album. The difference yeah. between like Legion and, and this album, like for sure, like it it because I don't know, like his 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 sound, his voice on this album, I think is my favorite. Yeah, for it's that like, reason, I think it's definitely it. definitely more guttural. Like, as yeah. you said, when you compare it to Legion, he has a higher register. And mm -hmm. then this one's way more guttural and gurgly. And you can even hear it in a speaking voice. If you watch interviews prior to, like, Once Upon the Cross, he has a higher speaking voice, like, much higher. And then you watch interviews, you know, during the tour or interviews for Once Upon the Cross. And he talks all gruff and gravelly like a biker. So, yeah, that, that worked in his favor. And I think he mentioned even, like, it worked in his favor. So... Totally. Not have fucked up his voice. He but, was putting uh, on a bit of a show back then, though, in the 90s. Like, 
absolutely like yeah showing yeah. showing off trying to like you know portray that it, this uh super um terrible person and you know like he was playing it up playing None it up is a good way to put it. yeah None of it's well true. now it's not maybe back then it was but you know we all grow up but. yeah yeah i think he had a persona to play right so mm -hmm. he totally played into it I, I think i was watching an interview last night where it was from like 93 or 94 and he was just acting like he was possessed and they were asking him questions are you possessed and he's like yes i'm possessed i'm possessed by satan and it was ridiculous and you watch him today and he's like oh i'm a family man my kids all growing up i I just sit at home yeah. and listen to Leonard Skinner and <laughs> ZZ Top. Oh, Not yeah, the guy like, that I thought it was. He doesn't listen to death metal. He doesn't listen yeah. to the genre because he doesn't want it to uh, influence deicide. He doesn't. He wants to keep deicide like deicide and what it is and what comes from him and what's pure and whatever. And he thinks that listening to de other death metal will, you know, and it will. It it totally yeah. will. Even, even subconsciously, like you know your brain just like absorbs stuff and then it comes back out you know absolutely so that's kind of interesting yeah it's kind of weird like you think this guy who was acting so evil would be really into the music and to learn that he wasn't or even isn't today is kind of mind-blowing that they can make this music kind of in a silo away from everything and still have it be brutal and relevant like the great thing about this album is like if you put it on today even though it was released almost 30 years ago it sounds like an album from today like it, it was it, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, almost. Yeah, almost, Sorry. yeah. Sorry, I'm really aging myself here. <laughs> but the music is still relevant. Like, it's, it, uh, it's ageless, I think. Ah, so, that was a good point that I was going to bring up. Yeah, like, it, it's still it's it's still a very relevant album to me. It And, like, I don't think there's a lot out there right now that really lives up to it in, in, in its essence, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. There is no other deicide. No. They're just... I, I and, don't think so. I mean, can correct and me I, if I'm wrong, but no, you're right. Well, there's there's Amon, which is uh, the band formed by Eric and Brian Hoffman, who were the guitarists on this album, who had a falling out a few years later with Glenn and left, and they formed a band called Amon, which was the original name of Deicide, and they released an album I think maybe six or seven years ago, and it kind of harkens back to the old Deicide, but it's not nearly as good as this album in particular. So, um, yeah, this album, I, I think, honestly, this album was their last great album. Um, you it's know, their heaviest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's their heaviest. All their albums are heavy, but I, I just think this one is the heaviest. Like everything was firing on all cylinders. Like the album after Serpents of the Light, you know, it has some mm -hmm. good tracks, good but it's, yeah. it's a production that fails. Like it just sounds so thin compared to once upon the cross it's like really hard to listen to like i i want my death metal to sound full i know you do yeah. it's got to be yeah. bass heavy and real a lot of low end you know and this album does it i think this album is uh the production is kind of the production you get from slam albums these days it's so full and just heavy and and uh, there wasn't a lot of bands other than suffocation you know doing like really 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 heavy production like this really they, low like a yeah fuzzy warm blanket yeah like a fuzzy warm blanket or a butter butter knife into butter as i was mentioning earlier i know that doesn't make sense but um so the other cool thing about this album is or interesting thing is that um it actually when they first recorded it it was 30 minutes no it was sorry it was 22 minutes in length which is not nearly long enough for an album 
like maybe it's long enough for an EP, but for a full length album, like they were advertising this, I don't think Roadrunner was like, nah, you, this album's got to be longer. Either add a few more songs or do something. So when they went back and they were listening to the album, they realized that it was what they could do was slow it down, slow the tempo down. So Steve Ashon, the drummer, you know, he clocked in at 22 minutes and then went back and slowed everything down drum wise and it ended up being 22 minutes. So they, Wait. sorry, sorry, 28 minutes, the opposite. So okay. it went from 22 to 28. I have mixed feelings about this because I suddenly want to listen to the 22 minute version album. Of well, you can, and we have, Oh, when really? you see Deicide live, they play, they it play it as it's intended, initially intended okay. to be played. But it's hard to like hear it live, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. okay. I'm going to challenge, I'm challenging YouTube people to submit a video of that album at 22 minutes. Yes. Let's, let's hear it. I want to yeah. hear it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think it would ruin kind of what we know of this I album? I wonder if they that? did it with all the songs. They probably only did it with a couple songs because that's only like a six minute difference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a few songs. I don't know the details, but that's possibly good. I was listening to actually, yeah, I was listening to Christ Denied on this album and I was with this in mind of the the slowing down thing. And I was like, this song sounds kind of awkward slow. Like, yeah. So that's like, I, I, they, they sacrifice. They're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, but up. I, prior to not prior to not knowing that they slowed this down intentionally, I had no issues with it. But listening to that out, listening to the album today, knowing that I was like, this would it sound better faster. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a, a bit of an awkwardness here, but still kind of a, a cool tidbit of information. Um, yeah, that's cool. I think, uh, you know, due to the sonic shift that occurred between Legion and Once Upon the Cross, I think this, as I mentioned at the top of this, it really divided the fan base. So I had some friends who loved the first two albums, you know, loved the speed, as we were talking about, loved kind of the technicality, loved the rawness of it, who didn't like this album at all because it was too, I don't want to say fluffy, but, uh, you know, like you said, warm, fuzzy blanket. Um so there's a bit of there's two sides to the story here, like two factions, people who like the first two albums, it's rawness and and uh, intensiveness. And then the other who other faction who likes, you know, the just that real heaviness that this album provides. I think it's the most divisive album for fans, for sure. Maybe I'm biased because it was like I, I heard this album first. This is my first DSI album. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that always you know, means something to somebody. For sure. Yeah. 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 And you saw this album on tour, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them at the MC hotel in London and I was super stoked for it. And I'd heard all these rumors. Like I heard, heard they were all like seven feet tall and that they lived in a cabin in the woods. I think someone was getting mixed up with like black metal. I think so. That yeah. Glenn Benton had an inverted cross burned into his forehead. Although I'm not sure that he had it at the time or if he had just talked about it. I think he, he had actually it. did it. Did yeah. Have, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Can't, honestly, can't remember. But yeah, but I did see them. And I can't remember who else was on the bill. It was a long time ago, like you said, almost 30 years ago. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was killer. It was, it was scary and it was great. Loved it. I, I saw well, you. Too. When did you see them? Did you, did you go to that show? Probably. Maybe that show or another one, because my memory is it definitely was the touring cycle for this album. But my memory is that somebody was in the audience when they were on stage, and it was actually a friend of mine, and we tease oh. him to this day about it. And he was he was yelling out insults at Glenn between songs, and uh, you know they fire. 
yeah, calling out his sexuality, those types of things. <laughs> and he was doing it to Whoa. be a troll. And Glenn had enough after three songs, three or four songs, they just exited the stage. He was like, fuck the city. And they were done. I so, don't think that was the show I was at. Yeah, probably not. You you, you would have remembered I'd that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that kind of sucked. And we bugged our, my friend Will and I bugged him for years about that. I got another interesting tip. Will's going to get doxxed. Yep. Let's call him out now. I know where he lives. Put up Google Maps. <laughs> but another interesting note about this album is that, according to Glenn, the late, great Ralph Santola, who was the guitar teacher for Eric Hoffman, um, who was the guitarist at the time on this album, uh, lead guitarist, he actually wrote all of Eric Hoffman's leads on this album. So none mm -hmm. of them were constructed by Eric. Now, Glenn oh, mentioned he this. A lot, he gets a lot of the credit, though, for it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't think that was ever public knowledge. So Glenn brought this to light after the split between the brothers, after they left Deicide, and he brought this up because I think there was a feud going on. So they were throwing out insults and information and shit, sl sh uh, slinging shit at each other. And this was one of so those So he brought things. out the big guns. He brought out he the big like, guns. He was like, you didn't even write this <laughs> yeah, album. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, that's all hearsay. That's what Glenn says. Yeah. I don't. I'm, Eric's probably responded, and Ralph's no longer with us to, to kind mm -hmm. of uh, corroborate what Glenn is saying. Um, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting note. I really Drama. like the leads on this album. I think they're super awesome. They remind mm -hmm. me of Slayer. The uh, the lead work is really fast and furious, and the two brothers play off of each other really, really, really well on this album. And I think it adds a kind of a whole another layer, where where there's not a lot of intensiveness in, intenseness to the actual riffing because it's really catchy the leads add that intensity i think which is a layer on top of it so yeah cool to know that uh, ralph santola wrote them all so kudos ralph and rip <laughs> well should we get into the songs yeah you can get into the songs all right well track one i feel like we should pause the video and like just put the intro in here for a second yes we'll do that <laughs> i what? wanted to talk about the artwork Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, before we get into the songs, because we're gonna we're going to um, rank the songs um, from our mm -hmm. least favorite to favorite. So before we do that, um, the artwork, as everyone knows, uh, is not the original artwork. The original artwork can be found behind me, right there, and it's in the inlay of the uh, the album. So what ended up happening is Trevor Brown, who's a famous English artist, he made it too realistic so the christ being um on the gurney uh, being dissected was just too much for for roadrunner records so they were like okay we need something else so what they ended up doing the revised artwork is actually inspired by the shroud of turin the state the stains on the sheet shatter the illusion of the messiah's transcendence so he is only human this christ figure mortal and of mere flesh and blood as his disciples so they're basically trying to what they're originally trying to do show with the original artwork is that christ is mortal like us so you cut him open he has lungs and ribs and guts and blood and poop um not and, made out of unicorns yeah not made out of unicorns or magic fairy dust uh he's just you and i um so what they ended up doing is laying that sheet over him like the shroud of turin and mm. having the spots of blood still signifying that whatever under so there cool. is still human. Yeah. yeah. And I think it actually, that artwork is 
much more the artwork that they went with the revised artwork is much more uh impactful because when you look at it you're like what's under there what's going on and then you open it up and you can see what the original is yeah. so yeah. and this was a thing in the 90s because like i have an old carcass album that also had bad you know album artwork and they handled it by putting a black it was like it was you know it was a cd and it was like a black case but it wasn't yeah. like solid black it was kind of like almost see-through-ish and like you could kind of look through it but you couldn't really see anything um but yeah this was this was a thing because everyone was trying to just be so shocking yeah um but the world wasn't ready for it yet no they weren't and cannibal corpse had the same thing with tomb of the mutilated where i think uh, originally there was supposed to be like a hammer smashed face on the album cover but it was just too much it was too that, gruesome that checks out <laughs> but then look what they did tomb of the mutilated they had the the corpses on the ground yeah which is so much better each right? other out. Like, yeah right <laughs> who makes but, these calls i don't know but yeah right that's okay but this isn't <laughs> yeah yeah now let's get into the uh into the songs here so lead off track once upon the cross i gotta find my notes again all right yeah so i feel like i didn't have enough time to do like the research i wanted here but yeah once upon the cross what an amazing song what a great song to start the album that sample love it you know whenever i hear it and it's really cool because dsi played beyond the gates this year and um they threw this song on uh glenn benton like put the intro on his phone and he pushed play and it started and it was like fuck yeah they're gonna play once upon the cross and then like the wi-fi went down and the 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 sample like stopped after like five seconds. So he pushed play again. And then the same thing happened. And then he pushed play again. And then, yeah, and then yeah. finally, he got finally it. got through it. And the yeah. song started and it, it was so, so badass. And it was so cool to see them after 30 years. And I just want to say that like, he hasn't slowed down at all. Like he just no. has like the same energy and the same, you know, persona. And, and he's just like, he just, he's evil as fuck know? on the stage. Like when he, he's doing, he is like, he just killed it. Yeah, and like performed so good, and it was just like better than expected, you know. Especially for someone that you know was getting up there. Yeah, yeah. He uh, when he does the dual vocals live, like he does the gutturals, and then it's almost like when he does his high stuff, he's possessed. Like you remember him mm -hmm. shaking; he, his whole yeah. body would just kind of flail when he was doing the high shit. And I was like, "That's fucking cool." It reminded me of The Exorcist or something. Yeah, but yeah, showmanship. Yeah. So Once Upon a Cross is Benton's interpretation of the temptation of Christ uh, in the Judean desert, chronicled in the Gospels. The yeah. 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 Well, how does the sample go again? Um, some, why Father, have you, why, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Will, I think it's Willem, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. In The Last Temptation of the Christ. Yeah. And that was chronicled in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So like, really cool that uh, they threw that... Um, that that intro in there like we you i know you and i love both in the 90s when they started doing these samples in music yeah. and if they choose the right sample it just amps up the music and the song yeah, we don't I think see that anymore no not like you Only used in to slam slam still does it slam does it yeah but they always use that gory most predictable shit ever at least you know deicide was smart with their choices and mm. bands like brutal truth were i don't know i mean pieces. if you think of mortician mortician was yeah yeah band yeah for my entire teenage years that they, they were my favorite band and it was just half their music was samples really that's true yeah 
gory samples. 30 second um, song, 30 yep. second sample. <laughs> uh, so Once Upon the Cross is my favorite song on the album. Obviously, the title track is... Oh, uh, spoilers. Spoiler. Oh, wait. Okay, we won't do that. Let's just go to the second song. Come on. All right. Second song, Behind the Light, Thou Shalt Rise. So I'll tell you, there's one reason I love this wait. song. Yep. Do I have my chocolate scene wrong? Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm reading my favorites. Sorry. So what's the second song? Together, Jason. Yeah. The Christ actual denied. Christ Denied. Okay. This song is pumped. Yeah. Pumped. Just gets your blood boiling. It's got a really, really catchy riff, like almost every song on yeah. this album. Yeah. So like, let's talk about how this album is like, um, just doesn't let up through the entire thing. Like this is a, this is a listenable album all the way through. Like there's no skippable songs, maybe one, but we'll get to that. Mm, you have a skippable. I don't have a skippable. I don't, I, there's a reason for it though. There's okay. A reason for it. Um, yeah. I think, I think the, the flow of this album was really, really genius. And mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that in like, I don't know. There's just something about the way they put the songs together that flows so perfectly. And unlike some of the other albums, even like Legion, it feels a little disjointed the way the songs were put together, or way the track listing was put together. But this one is perfect. It's like every song, every song after the other feels like the right song. Yeah, like you could almost just like play it all the way through without ending the tracks. Yeah, yeah, you could. You know, and yeah. it would just, it would just keep going. It would just feel right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just something. Maybe it all again comes down to like the the smoothness and the gloss of the production. I don't know, but uh, just everything works well. All right. Third song. Third song. When Satan rules the world. Again, catchy. When Satan groovy. Rules this world. Yeah. yeah groovy. This is like, groovy. this is a good head, head banging song. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I think apart from once upon the cross, it's probably the catchiest song though. An yeah. argument argument could be made for the fourth song, which is, Killed a no. Christian. I see a theme here. <laughs> really? No. Vincent really hates his Christians. <laughs> I I've seen interviews where he's like, "Yeah, I didn't hate them. They're just, <laughs> just somebody to up. pick on." <laughs> but all those uh, what what was the guy's name? Like the Bob um, Larson. Bob Larson and yeah. all that shit that was happening. It was the so televangelist. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think it was a gimmick or do you think he was just really into it? I, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. And yeah. like, I'm I'm pretty like wait, did I hear they were like friends? Yes. Yeah, you heard they correctly. were like friends. So it they started like, it started they where were they were just having off debates. Each other. Yeah. And you know, Bob would say his point on religion and Glenn would say his. And I think they found a common ground at some point. Like if you go back and watch the YouTube videos. They don't really argue. There's really no hatred towards each other. And then I heard from, uh, I watched an interview with Bob, some separate from Glenn, where he said, yeah, we actually call each other all the time and talk and he'll send me the new album. And <laughs> so it was just like, it was, it was just putting on a show, right? Well, yeah. maybe not in the beginning, but maybe not in the on. beginning. I think in the yeah. beginning, they were just trying to like talk about their differences and, you know, right. and try to find common ground right. or. Um, but yeah, right. kill the Christian is really kind of in your face what the what it's about lyrically. Um, yeah, I don't think, and I, I mean maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Glenn's actually saying, you know, get all Christians together and kill them. I don't think that's the idea behind the song. I think it's 
if you read into debate that. Really? Maybe. Maybe back in the day maybe. he would have done that. But today I think it was no, like No, he's speaking about he's speaking about like religion a lot. Yeah. Because I read the lyrics I read a lot of the lyrics today and it, it's it's generally kind of like, you know, pointing out the bullshit of yeah. religion. The hypocrisy of the bullshit. Up it is and how, how weird it is that people get so um like committed and fanatical about it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you read the lyrics, it just like he makes it he makes it sound so ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know, which it, it is. It really is. And I mean, it's yeah. it, I remember first hearing the song and I I was like, holy fuck, he's advocating the death of all Christians. This is insane. Like back back in the day, I, this was just like over the fucking top. Like I'd never heard anything like this. And uh, I didn't know how I felt about it because, you know, I have Christians in my family. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't want to advocate for killing them, you know? No, and, no, like I get it. Like some people just want to belong to something. They want to feel like they're, you know, doing something good. And yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. I get it. But there's extreme, there's extremities though that, you know, in like, like everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's good and bad, but, but yeah, like the, the whole Bob Larson thing and like that whole era, I think of Glenn Benton and Deicide and like, just like kind of trying to portray a you know a, a character or something you know well, like sh shooting squirrels in the middle of interviews and i think they had to sell themselves right and glenn was the face of it and uh like all the other guys were just in the background and real way to do that is just be really out there and without their ideas and and they got a know. lot of attention from it like absolutely negative yeah. yeah yeah so it served them well in the long run i think okay track five Trick or Betrayed, short song, another sample at the beginning from the same movie, Last, Tempt Last Temptation of Christ, Martin Scorsese, 1988. Jesus, uh, I am not the Messiah. The angel, no, you are not. Uh, the next one, Children of the Underworld, fucking love this song. Uh, it starts so good. Like, it it just uh, grabs you right at the beginning. Was it the riff? Like the intro? Yeah. Very punishing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, lyrically, what do you know what this one's about? Like if I had to guess, I didn't read up on it, but they are the children of the underworld. They are the children of the underworld. In the creation of a new in the creation of a new respond born of earth before the age of God. Uh I don't know, it sounds like demon stuff. They are the they are the children of the underworld before the heavens they were on the earth to desolate. Oh. And we're never heard. Cry rebirth. Okay, I know what this Lords is about. Of the plague seven. Oh, Lords of the Plague seven. Are they? That's that's a Bible thing. So this is about the chronicles of the Anunnaki, a group of yeah. Sumerian deities who dwell on Earth and in the underworld, and their name loosely translate to those of royal blood or heaven and earth. So if you, I don't know a lot about the Anunnaki, but heard of it. Yeah, Sounds I'm sure there's badass. lots of. Lots of people out there who know and who will correct us on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did a good job with the song anyways. Good yeah. song. And then number seven, Behind the Light, though shall, Thou Shall Rise. And number eight, Should Be Dead. Yeah, so let's talk oh, about... Oh, wait, and there's... Isn't there... Th oh, yeah, and then there's Confessional Rape, but I want to talk about Should Be Dead for a sec. Okay. What the fuck happened with the production in this song? What? It doesn't match. It's just like it gets all raw and like not full and heavy and somebody please tell me i'm right um, really huh. 
like the soul listening to the solo like hurts my ears something happened it doesn't match the rest of the album it's like the one like if you were to listen to it all the way through it's the one that just like doesn't fit um not saying that the songs aren't good but like like it's it out sounds, of place it's out of place sounds different it sounds like it's on a different album or something like i, I never know. noticed that that's crazy so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to listen now yeah yeah now i'm very very curious huh yeah yeah good ear anyway. good ear to say that anyways we'll have and to bring this up to glenn if we ever meet him what what's the deal with story like there's got to be a story here like why yeah. did that happen yeah it doesn't, it doesn't add up confessional rape i'm uh, uh, pretty sure we know what that's about i i'd like the song because like the riffs just like they just keep going throughout the song like it just like it's it's just like a train it's like, this like one train. after the other yeah it's like this freight train it just doesn't stop it just keeps chugging along like it's very cool chugging along to the horrific sounds of molestation and abuse by men of the cloth horrible Terrible. but something that needs to be talked about and it's yeah. funny it's funny like deicide was talking about this nearly 30 years ago and it's still an issue you know like yeah it hasn't yeah. gone away and it's Sadly. probably been an issue for centuries so when they say glenn is evil well, no, he's actually very in tune with the ills of society. Hence I think I think metal in general gets a bad rap for these things, like because metal is a genre that will talk about the things that people don't talk about, mm -hmm. and it gets misinterpreted a lot of the time as though they support it. Yeah, like they're like they're preaching. They're preaching it, or they're like, "Yeah, this is cool," but it's really just like, "Look how fucked up you are. Look at how fucked up the world is. This is shit that happens. Like, this is this is fucked up." I um, think I think where where it goes wrong for them is the way the way they word titles, album titles, and song titles. Like and, first person, and right? Yeah, like the they're putting person. themselves into the into you know the persona of the person who's doing the evil. Exactly. So that, that, that's like misinterpreted in a way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all the first person's fault. So <laughs> perception. Yes, perception. Yeah. All right. What well, do we got next? It. I don't know. We got any more fun facts? I know that like the the cross on the forehead carving thing, I think um Glenn actually expressed some um regrets to it at Didn't some point. He actually I, go to he a, went to he he visited a plastic surgeon to, to talk about getting it removed talk about getting removed and the plastic surgeon ended up saying to him like why it looks so cool so, <laughs> he must have been a deicide fan <laughs> like you can't do like, that leave it. it's, it's yeah. cool but if you look at him now like you know as he's 60 or whatever and he's got like some wrinkles in his forehead and it, it just like i don't know it, it it looks like um a different symbol that i don't know the name that of has right the now. three like it's got yeah, the lower like the cross three... and the two at the top yeah. 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 It's kind of like morphed into something else now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I know it suits him, I think. Okay. Yeah. I got one other thing to talk about. So I was reading a lot of what I talked about earlier, where, um, you know, the fan base is divided on this album. And, and those on the, the side that don't like this album, they often throw out things like, well, this album came around around the time new metal came out. And new metal has a groove. And now Deicide has a groove and they try to tie the two together. Now I, hmm. for me, I don't think Deicide was I don't see it. influenced by corn or Limp Biscuit or anything like, no. I can't like, see Glenn Benton. Put out a, put out a like notorious album that year too. And oh, well, think... Demanufacture. 
yeah it's yeah. a really great album too so uh, actually good point because that was one of the things i read people were like do manufacture came out i think several months before once upon the cross and they were like maybe they were influenced by d manufacture because it is a bit groovier i and... I, I don't I, I think deicide's always been groovy yeah i think the grooviness well, i no, mean they, they were groovy to. on the first album too yeah yeah and i think the enhanced grooviness of this album just comes from slowing things down you yeah. know when it's or less maybe they're just groovy dudes you know and if you think about like the fact that glenn benton actually listens to a lot of classic rock and shit like that like it's his like, wheelhouse that's all he listens yeah. to yeah 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 like let's talk again about the fact that he doesn't listen to metal okay so next time here's a here's a uh challenge for everyone listening next time you throw once upon the cross and tell me if you pick up on leonard skinner cz top um what else or you pick up on corn and fear factory or corn and fear factory i i don't think you're going to pick up on any of those mentioned uh because it's just doesn't sound like anything else it sounds like deicide which is cool hmm. it's really cool that all these bands back in this day all had like the originators of this genre all have a sound that is so distinct that we immediately know who it is 30 years later that doesn't happen anymore you know that's just not something that happens anymore you can't distinguish one death metal band new death metal band from the next new death metal band it's really hard to do that but there are some exceptions some exceptions, but for the most part, and maybe that has to do with there was just less bands at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know, but yeah, I think there was a lot more. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Uniqueness back then, because everything was new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the riffing was all like really creative and out there back then. Like if you listen to like old Cryptopsy or you know old Morbid Angel or old Monstrosity. You know, there there was really really creative riffing in a lot of like the music back mm -hmm. then that you don't, you know, things are creative in a different way now. They're new in a different way now. But I, or or you know, I I don't want to say too much, but like, you know, everybody is kind of like you know faster, harder, m more um, more extreme. Yeah, but it was all very new back then, and it just was different because it was more shocking yeah for sure yeah all right so did you rate your songs i did you want to go first yeah at number nine <laughs> excuse me i have they are the children of the underworld hmm. Hmm. I, you know what it was really hard to to rank these songs because i really love all of them uh -huh. so uh, these could change at any given time yeah so, yeah totally my ask me my list tomorrow is gonna be completely different yeah exactly i mean there the the album was meant to be listened to in succession and i think all the songs work well equally if you listen to them but if i were to just pick a song here and there and listen to it they are the children of the underworld would probably be the one i would pick last um, no hmm. particular reason it just doesn't have as much catchiness to me probably the least catchy song in my opinion uh number hmm. eight christ denied again for the same reason um wow i love conceptually the lyrics and i love glenn's vocals on it um but you know if i were to pick that song alone yeah it's number eight let's just leave it at that i have no real reason okay. all right uh, all right all right number seven trick or betrayed so i love it but uh something about it is a little 
off-putting to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the uh, the chorus. It just sounds a little awkward at parts for me. Don't know why. Though I do love the intro of Jesus asking, I'm not the Messiah? And the angel yeah. saying, no, you're not. I love that. That's my favorite part of it. Uh, yeah. Number six is to be dead. Love the opening riff. It's incredible. I could just listen to that riff over and over and over again. Fuck the rest of the song. Just keep playing that riff for the whole of the song. Um, yeah. Number five, Kill the Christian. I think it's the fastest song in the album. And yeah. uh, I love the ending of the repeated, Kill the Christian, Kill the Christian, Kill yeah, the Christian. Yeah, love that. Yeah. And then he goes, Dead! And it just stops. I fucking love yeah. that. So, yeah, it has one of the catchiest riffs of the album, I think, too. Uh, but I put it at number five. Number four, When Satan Rules His World. You know, apart from the title track, I think it's probably the catchiest track overall. Um, every single riff is super fucking catchy, and I catch myself humming them weeks down the road. I could be just driving down the road listening to Post Malone, and When Satan Rules His World pops into my head, and I get out, what the fuck is going on? These two worlds don't go together. <laughs> but, Yeah. Those uh, riffs pop into my head all the time. Uh, number three, Confessional Rape. I don't love it because of the uh, the uh, lyrical uh, content. Though, uh, I mean, it is an important song that way. But I love the fucking line when Glenn just says, uh, he says it, he sings it, but screams it. Master, Lord Satan decides. I can't, I didn't do it right. But Master mm. Lord, oh no, it goes like this: Master Lord Satan decides. I fucking love that line. It's probably my favorite line in the whole in the whole album, and it makes a song for me. This almost made number one because of that, but that's not a reason to make it number one. So I didn't make it number one. Uh, number two: Behind the light, thou shalt rise. And there's one reason this is number two. It's uh. It's the course. It's the mo- the catchiest fucking course ever in death metal. I challenge ever you. Ever in ev- death metal. Ever in death metal. Ever. I challenge everyone just to go back, listen to the song, and just think about courses in death metal. All the courses you've ever heard, which ones stick into your mind. This one will stick into your mind forever if you allow it to. It's mm-hmm. It's got a really cool flow. It goes... Master, Lord Lucifer, from behind the light thou shalt rise. Walk as earth, invade in pain. His Christians become then enslaved. What once was us was never it, more. Sing, Infernal like Lord like Father a... restored. <laughs> Blinding priest in disbelief. Revenge unto God he was sworn. It's so fucking good. It's so good. How would I say it? How uh, I, sing? I don't know. Like it was like a children's song or something. It was yeah. I was, funny. I was trying to trying to make it into like a preschool him but and uh, one is obviously once upon the cross because you didn't talk about that one yet yeah once upon the cross yeah. and why awesome. because it has the best uh sample at the beginning and yeah. it's just the catchiest song yep so i agree with and you. it ends ends amazingly once upon the cross and then it just stops yeah bands don't do that anymore they don't just fucking stop on a dime boom yeah they should yeah they should all right, let's yeah. hear your uh, list. Uh, mine got all screwed up because when I, when you were reading yours, I realized that I had like doubles in there and 
So obviously I did this too, too quickly when I was you know, preparing. I'm like, and then I tried to like reorganize things and then I just ended up putting pl things in places. So I don't really know what. So this isn't a real list. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. yeah, but we had some, like, I like they are the children of the underworld. That was like, uh, that's a good one for me. And Christ and I really like that one. Those were my top five, but yeah. And behind behind the light thou shall rise was like in my bottom five so really oh yeah so i think we have to like fight now i think we do with inverted crosses yeah <gasps> and angels and demons yeah i mean uh -huh. like like i said earlier it's just it it's almost an impossible task it's gonna to, change to tomorrow right yeah. yeah 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 you just catch things that you might not have not have heard previously and it sticks out and like and it also depends on your frame of mind you know, I can't listen to this album all the time, but it is probably the one album. If I had to pick three albums to take to uh, to the afterlife, the Desert Island. To listen to ah, oh, the afterlife. You're like you cannot listen to music in the afterlife. You can only listen to three albums. You know, Christ this or whoever says, "Yeah, we only have room for three albums for everyone." There's not a lot of room here. So sounds like a shitty heaven to me. It does. This would be on that list. Would yeah. that would this make your list? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad at making lists, so. Well, you make lists for work like, all the time. That would be like so. going to hell for me. It'd be like pick three albums. That's hell for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one. This one to me, I this album, the, the album I listen to most of my life is "Injustice for All" by Metallica. That album, by far, I listen so to the many most so many better metallica albums out there well, you so know many. it was an important album to me and an important time and ride the lightning <laughs> great album but you know didn't serve its purpose at the time that i needed it so justice served its purpose there and for death metal i think this album did the same so this is probably the album i listened mm -hmm. to the most out of all death metal albums. from dsign yeah for sure yeah same this here. one for sure yeah well did we make cool. it to the end i think so um yeah so this is uh one of the um sp special spooky themed uh podcasts that the metal pit is doing in october um leading up to our november podcast which is an anniversary podcast for the metal pit and we will be announcing um the top 50 albums is it albums or songs for top 50 albums, albums yeah. metal albums of all time uh, impossible the, task impossible task way. which a lot of the um people that contribute to the metal pit uh participated in i was not one of them because like i said i'm very bad at making lists um but yeah so that's going to be a fun podcast uh, i think it's coming up in november mm -hmm. next week we have one halloween kerper of the seven keys part one keeper of the seven keys part one okay yep he typed it kerper Kerper, <laughs> and you just read it verbatim. Literally, I, I read what I see. Yeah, I like it. Kerper of the seven keys. <laughs> the fuck is a Kerper? <laughs> uh, some creature I was that I was like, uh, I don't know what I'm reading right now, but yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's next. I week, don't know next... that album too well, so hopefully we got a couple of people in there that yeah. know their shit. So, oh, that's a great thing about the metal pit is that you know we have a lot of really great writers and contributors and everybody is we cover all genres we yeah. really do like yeah. we couldn't we couldn't get blake or tom 
or no. Georgina on this DSI no. once upon no. the cross. No. All kinds of no. Hey, no, but no, you know, but then, you know, the same could be said for them. She would do a yeah, Motley Crue exactly. that we'd be like, yeah, nothing. I don't know the well, fuck you're talking I mean, about. You know, Motley Crue would be fun, but yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a bad example. <laughs> Vixen, yep, so, that's a good example. Yep, that's coming up next uh, week, next Wednesday, which is 25th, and then I believe the big anniversary podcast is on the first of November. Do we know what so, what anniversary this is? As far as well, years. That, Okay, so there's two answers to that because I think I think it's been three years since it's been um revitalized. Revitalized, but I think yeah. it's been going on for much longer, like maybe thirty years. Like wow. I know Blake for twenty years. Blake's been doing this for a very, very long time. And yeah. uh just in the last three years he kind of like, you know, revamped it and you know, got some new people on board and you know, including us and, and lots of other really great people and um now we're growing and it's cool yeah thanks everyone thank you and go listen to this album and leave a comment let us know if you like it hate it tell us if we're wrong right what do we get right what do we get wrong whatever let's uh let's discuss this album we uh want to hear it you want to hear it yeah peace